Hey guys, welcome to episode 26 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at FanBolt.com. My name is Jacob Mickelson uh, with Atlanta Movie Tours. And you're out in LA, which is super cool. I am. I'm out in Los Angeles, my, uh, my, my old stomping grounds, as it turns out. In fact, uh, as I record this, I'm in my former office, which has since been converted into a studio. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it actually it actually is really cool. I, and I yeah, that's that's pretty fun. It is. It is. It's totally a whole old home week. <laughs> and I just I just want to say this on record. Los Angeles traffic is still way worse than Atlanta traffic. <laughs> just want to make that very clear. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been out there, but uh, it's pretty epically bad traffic every time I've ever been there. It'll take me like three hours to go seven miles or something. I'm like, why didn't I just walk? Yeah, <laughs> it no, it's better. it is it is like that. And we uh, where I'm staying is out in Altadena, which is near Pasadena, and the offices are in Beverly Hills. So it's a pretty good stretch regardless. But it was it was just under two hours to get here. Dang. So. Yeah, but you know, it is it is fun looking at the the landscape and and the former the former place. So, yeah, but uh, okay, enough about me. I somehow I always end up talking about things that are not nearly as impressive. <laughs> I just go straight as, into your stuff cuz it's our coast to coast episode, I thought. <laughs> it is true. It is true. <laughs> it's actually very exciting. I feel like this is the first time. Well, it's not. I think it's a second time where you've actually been in boring home and I've been in a place that's that's kind of exciting. <laughs> So, <laughs> ever in the history of this thing. Um, but so, so well, here, I'll get out of the way so you can give a quick outline, but I'm very excited to talk about your experience this last weekend. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the event that I hosted with SCAD last week with uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High director Amy Heckerling. And then we have box office results and a review of The Magnificent Seven and then a couple of teasers for next week. So we've got kind of a a condensed, uh, shorter episode for you guys this week, but it'll be just as awesome as it always is. It's yeah, it's an Atlas light. It's uh, (laughs) it's all the taste, but less calories. Also, I just want to compliment you on teasing the teases that are coming (laughs) later. That's very... It's very comprehensive. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, the the SCAD event uh, went really, really well. It's the the first time that I've I've hosted an event for them and didn't really know what to expect, uh, but it was great. It was really great, and I got to uh, hang out with Amy uh, for a little bit before we went on stage and did the Q and A after the the screening of Fast Times. I was just cool to try to, you know, talk to her about, uh, you know, what she wanted to talk about, what she didn't want to talk about. And um, it's funny when I when I asked her, what should I not ask her on stage if there was anything that she wanted me to stay clear of? And she's like, don't ask me how many people have done drugs on my sets or or what actors have done done the most drugs on my sets. And I was like, really, people ask you that? <laughs> so um, I thought that was that was interesting. <laughs> but, uh, that's uh, that's funny. It's obviously an issue. That's that's a fascinating. Don't ask me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny when you talk candidly to um, you know, actors or directors and, and talk to them about some of the, the more awkward questions that they've been asked or, um, you know, it, it seems, I, I guess those seem kind of more like, you know, tabloid journalists that are trying to get the scoop on stuff. But, uh, 
Yeah. It's like, I can't, I mean, you know, you're not going to get an answer to that question. Like as a journalist, why would you even ask it? <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. That's why you ask really hard pressing questions. Like, will there be any surprises? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In about 20 years or so, I'm going to be able to let go of that, but I'm not, <laughs> not ready today. to yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, she was really, really cool, though. Uh, they did a on-camera interview with her for, uh, I guess, use with their, their film department before uh, b- before we did our Q&A. And it was so funny because right before they started, you know, she's she, they're, they're getting all the lighting in place or whatever, and she pulls out this mirror out of her purse and is looking at the lighting and how it is on her face, and she's kind of directing them with where she wants the lights. And uh, at one point she goes, uh, she sees the lighting and she's like, ew. And I swear to God, it was like watching Cher from Clueless. I was like, this <laughs> makes total perfect sense. Because she was also the writer and director for Clueless. Right. Um, which, you know, the the oohs and the whatevers and the as ifs. And um, I could totally see it in her personality. I was like, this makes everything's like coming together. And it was it was just so cool seeing this lady that was responsible for, you know, these movies that kind of defined my childhood. And even though I was, you know, I was barely born when uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out, but it was still a part of the, the 80s movies that really, um, I don't know, like that is the 80s movie genre for me. You know, that movie, Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, um, all of those movies that kind of defined that that decade and it was just such an honor getting to talk to her and and have that be my first event with SCAD. I mean SCAD was fantastic. She was fantastic. It was just such a great experience. You know, and I said this before we uh were technically on air. Are you on air during a podcast? I guess you are. Um <laughs> we need a light to turn on uh for our bicoastal episode. Um <laughs> but no, I said to you before we uh press the record button that uh, I saw the one photo on Facebook and I was just stoked for you. It just seemed like a grown-up just like holy crap, there's Emma Loggins up there like holding space with the flipping director of you know, that's it's so congratulations. Thank uh, you know, you. you're not supposed to brag about yourself, but I will brag on your behalf. <laughs> it was uh it's really cool to see. So, congratulations. Thank you. It was definitely a uh, a surreal experience. Um it definitely felt like a next level thing too. You know, I've done I've done lots of uh panels that I've moderated and um on cameras on, on camera interviews and just general press events, but this was definitely this felt different for me, and yeah. uh, it was just I'm so thrilled to have done it. It was such a positive experience. Um, I wouldn't have changed anything about it. And and hearing her kind of tell these stories, I mean, even even if I'd only been there as a member of the audience, um, I think it would have been such a even that would have been so fulfilling to me because her answers that she gave were were just so great and it was such great insight into not only a movie that's so beloved by by so many people but also you know being a female filmmaker in the 80s versus uh now and how that's kind of changed and uh, she told this one story about when she was she was actually trying to sell another project when uh, she got approached about Fast Times and she was, you know, right out of film school at that point. And, and Fast Times was a pretty small, pretty small project, actually. And I didn't realize that 
it was such a, a small production and a small budget, it's it's something that, you know, we see as this iconic film that kind of defined that that decade. So it's it's uh, something that I just assumed what was a, a bigger project initially when it came out. And I think it's it it really surprised everyone. And they were even reluctant to to give it a wide release. You know, they released it in kind of a, a small area and then it started doing so well and people started quoting the film and, you know, and then they they did a wide, wide release with it. And, um, you know, it was just such a such a huge success and continues to be such a I mean, it's just you think of the 80s, you think of fast times, you know, right? No, so, it's true. It's uh, one of the questions that they asked asked her. Um, one of the audience questions was, "If you had to re- redo Fast Times today to make it relevant for, um, you know, today's audiences, what would you change? You know, would it be the clothing? Would it be the music? Would it be the focus being on the mall? What would you change and do different to make it mm. more relevant to today's audience?" And I thought that was a really interesting question. And her answer was kind of comical. She was like, I don't even know how you would tell a story like this today. It's like everyone's got their face in their phones. No one's like hangs out with each other or sees each other anymore. It's all, you know, text and social media. And she's like, I guess it would be like, you know, an episode of Gossip Girl or something where you'd have like all of these texts on the side of the screen and all the conversation happening, you know, uh, uh, via Twitter or, you know, text messages or whatnot. And I thought that was that was kind of funny. And yeah, people don't really hang out at the mall anymore. No, they sure don't. (laughs) They sure don't. Maybe a coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the entire it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, like this happens to me pretty often where I don't feel like I'm that old. And then I realized, you know, I've actually kind of had a lot of eras in my life, you know, and then <laughs> and then I, mean, I did drive by the mall recently up there uh, on the way back to Stockbridge, you know, where we're staying until we move into our house. And I, that mall there off to 75, I'm just like, man, that just seems like a like a left behind era. You know, yeah. it, it did just kind of strike me. And it was, dude, I used to like my parents would drop me off at the mall so I could quote meet girls or just stand <laughs> and nervously look at them from afar, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the mall was totally like the melting pot. It is. it, And then now it just seems like, what? Why would anybody do that? Exactly. So funny. Yeah, yeah that's, I remember, that's interesting. Uh, South Lake Mall was my old stomping ground, so I would go and hang out at the, you know, hang out with friends at the food court, and yeah, it's it's funny because I I don't even know how much of that mall is occupied anymore. I feel like a lot of it's probably abandoned, but um, that's that's the same mall I'm talking about, isn't it? It's got a uh, merry-go-round in the food court. Yep. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's yeah. the exact mall that had me when I drove out on the freeway or highway, whatever we're supposed to call it in Georgia. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, I, that's the thought. That's funny that that was your spot. That was. That was. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different now. I mean, I guess some of the malls in the city and even a. Uh, even at like Pont City Market here in Atlanta, a lot of people just kind of like hang out here. Uh, but it's I don't know. I feel like it's different in like the suburbia malls. It's you know. Not not the same vibe as it it was in the eighties at least. So. No, and it is interesting because I do think I like to Pont City Market is an interesting comparison because while technically it's got a lot of shops and stuff, it it feels like a social gathering place first, then it does gigantic shopping emporium. Right. 
Exactly. You know, and I and I do think there's there's a pretty big difference. There was a there's actually a mall here in um in Los Angeles called uh, uh what's it called uh, um not the Beverly Glen that's a hotel. You're not talking about the Grove, are you? No, the see the Grove is the Grove here in Los Angeles. The Grove is like the good mall. Okay. Um, that's the, that's the mall that but but again that one feels it's like outside it's more social it's more open. What right. What are we talking about? Like and then there's the Beverly. It's like this gigantic monstrosity. Have you ever seen the classic Tommy Lee Jones film, Volcano? <laughs> uh, the classic. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it plays a major role in that. Um, Beverly Center, really? That's that's the that's the thing I had difficulty. <laughs> but uh, but there's another mall here called the Beverly Center, which is this. It's kind of like in the old school. It's like this huge built up mall. You park underneath it. It's it it's just like this gigantic structure. And at first it was all these like nice shops and stuff in there. And it's just kind of like people just turned their back on it. Now it's like all these kind of weird cheapy nails places, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not what it was supposed to be. Like way back in the day, like a Planet Hollywood was there, of course, and they're gone. So it's just the <laughs> it's 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 weird, right? Like if, if you compare like real life to Internet, which obviously hasn't been around that long, but there are these eras of of things having all this prowess like myspace.com was it you know right. and then other things kind of come up and leave so it's it's weird but i do feel like especially with all the online shopping and everything like the mall run is over wow we've gone really deep down this haven't we but uh i, <laughs> yeah. I do think it's kind of interesting i think it's kind of interesting and it's interesting that she's connected to know that yeah no definitely definitely um so yeah that was that was a cool event, and I'll have some more events coming up with SCAD, so hopefully we'll have some, some more cool stories to talk about. Um, but yeah, it was just a, it was a really great experience, and she was such a, such a, great, a great lady, and uh, nothing but good things to say about the whole experience. Well, congratulations on the whole thing. Uh, the next event that you uh, that you're able to do, I'm going to do my best to uh, crash and be an audience member. I'm going to make a big too. sign. I'm going to make a big sign. It's going to have like your name on it. Maybe <laughs> I'll f- draw your face. It'll be great. I like it. Just, I like it. I'll just be screaming for you over whoever you're talking to. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, on that note, I do actually want to talk about another kind of cool thing that's coming up. Um, I've been kind of working out what all this is going to look like, and I'm excited to announce that I am going to be working with FanFest and Walker Stalker, um, helping them with some some press events. And of course, I'll be uh, attending those events as well and doing some interviews for uh, FanFest.com and super excited about that. So that's... That's one of the next things uh, that I have planned, which of course will be uh, Halloween weekend here in Atlanta when we have the the big Walker Stalker. Uh, but I think there's probably going to be a few more things popping up before then, so I'll keep you guys posted. Nice, very exciting. Good yeah. lord, yeah, I love it. I and mean, all this means for you is just more and more relaxing free time, so you yeah. can watch all of your favorite shows. Exactly. I mean, I have so much free time; it's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> I miss free time. Yeah, remember when that was a thing? But it's it's more exciting to fill time with things that are exciting. Exactly. Uh, it doesn't and, feel yeah. like work. So, I mean, it's it's just a lot of constant fun. So I can't complain. <laughs> that's, that's a, it's just constant fun. Constant fun. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's very exciting. So when is FanFest? So Walker Stalker Con is uh, Halloween, and that's mm-hmm. going to be a big deal because turns out that show is filmed 
the Atlanta, Georgia-ish area. Yeah, close, close yeah. by. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Halloween tends to be a pretty big... I look forward to you being uh, dressed up as the character for Mr. Robot during that event. Yeah, you know what? I might do that for that. I don't know if they'll recognize who Darlene is separate from the rest of the, the Mr. Right. Robot cast. So right. we'll, we'll have to see. But, It'll be a victory um, for subtlety. Just go yeah, for it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then when is FanFest? Um, FanFest is November 19th and 20th at the Georgia World Congress Center. So that's, oh. uh, I think that's what, like two weeks, three weeks after um, Halloween weekend. So Nice little one-two punch. That's yeah, very cool. It's a, a lot of uh, opportunities to geek out if you're here in Atlanta. Nice. To get in geek out, you get know, if you're an Atlanta out, movie exactly. tours fan yeah very cool <laughs> well that's very exciting for you congratulations again thank you thank you um but definitely want to talk about some box office results because we had a, a pretty good weekend I, I think it's a pretty good weekend at the box office um the magnificent seven came in in number one and of course stars denzel washington and chris pratt debuted with 35 million and that was uh, it was 90 million production budget for that one. And it received mostly positive reviews from critics. Uh, it is a reboot, uh, excuse me, reboot of the 1960s uh, film, which starred Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson and uh, the, a number of other gentlemen who served as elite gunmen who protected a small Mexican village from inv- invading bandits, which is the same plot as this one, of course. Right. Um, and that film was actually a remake of another film called Seven Samurai, and that was actually followed by a number of right. sequels as well. So you huh. had uh, Return of the Magnificent Seven, uh, Guns of the Magnificent Seven, and The Magnificent Seven Ride Again. Um, so it's a... Uh, a pretty successful uh, Western story uh, that has spawned a number of reboots and remakes and sequels and and all of that fun stuff. So uh, that did pretty well at the box office. And then coming in second, we had the premiere of the animated film Storks, which debuted with $21.8 million, And that one had a $70 million production budget. Uh, Clint Eastwood and Tom Hanks's Sully dropped to third place, bringing in $13.8 million for a total gross to date of $92.3 million um, domestic gross. And that, of course, was on a $60 million production budget. Uh, Bridget Jones's Baby dropped to fourth, not doing so hot in its second, re- uh, second week of release. It brought in uh, $4.5 million for a total gross to date of $16.4 domestically. And that's on a $35 million production budget. And then at the top five, in fifth, uh, <laughs> Oliver Stone Snowden, really not doing well. Um, yeah. it, it brought in $4.1 million, uh, for a total domestic gross so far of $15.1. And, of course, that's on a $40 million production budget. Ooh, so yeah. that's... Uh, it, you know, sadly, probably going to go down as one of um, Oliver Stone's least successful films. I know it was the uh, his uh, worst opening weekend for one of his films ever uh, last weekend. So, gosh, it must be exhausting because he's like all of his movies have such political. Yeah, so there's just kind of like I wonder if he ever wants to do like pull a Scorsese and make like a like a kid movie just once. <laughs> Change it up. Have a yeah. little bit of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm still curious about the film. I very, I very, uh, I very much intend to see it. But yeah, it, it, it's not one that would would draw me to the to the theater. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely worth seeing, and I think he does a great job with the film. I'm I'm kind of intrigued as to to why it's not doing so well because I think the film itself. I mean, you know, we talked about this last week. It's a it's a slow moving film, but I don't yeah. really hold that against it. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of interested as to why people are if they're just not interested in the subject matter or if the trailers just don't do it for them or or why they're not interested in that one because I don't feel like there's a lot of um, films that are out that are like, oh, I much rather see this than that, you know? Um, I do. I do think, I mean, there's just like an overwhelming, and this is just from me personally, obviously I, I've done zero scientific study, but like the world is in such, well, I should say, well, a lot of the world, but like United States in particular with this, this, this election that would be hilarious if it was an SNL sketch, but because it's real life is like the scariest thing ever. Right. So it, it's kind of a tough time to be like, I'm just going to get away from reality and get dragged through the mud about reality. You know, that's <laughs> like, fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. yeah. So it is a bummer because there's a lot of things. It's weird though. As I look at it, I'm like, this is a movie that if it came to me, I'd, I'd probably check it out and be very curious to see it. But I can't imagine, you know, putting on pants <laughs> to go see that movie just just right. in the context of like everything that's going on um and it's i'm just shocked bridget jones's baby isn't just blowing up because everybody i know who's a fan of the first one was just dying for them to round out the trilogy so. <laughs> you know i actually heard that it wasn't that bad and no to be that, fair it's numbers aren't bad yeah yeah um i i heard a lot of people predict that it was going to do better in its second week and it, it didn't and um, so it's probably not going to do better in its third week. <laughs> um, but I've heard if you're, if you're a fan and you're, you're on the, the kind of, you know, you're, you're considering going to see it. I, I've heard that it's, it's good for what it is. So nice. Uh, but definitely want to talk a little bit more about the Magnificent Seven because I yeah. did see that last week. It's time for um, the big Atlas review of that film. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you want to run me through it? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, the eye rolling. Were you rolling your eyes like crazy? Oh wait, wait, no, no, out of order. What am I new? <laughs> new. How? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, well, from a boredom factor, one to five, were you really bored? Five being super bored. Um, I will say three. Um, and I will say three because I thought that it was a little too long. So okay. I was towards the end. I was like, all right, I got it. Why is this movie still going on? <laughs> like, All right. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll give it a three on boredom. All right. So uh, so boredom, it's too long. Does that mean you were rolling your eyes a lot? Yes, for the the same kind of uh, the this the same kind of issue there. It was just you know good performances. I don't feel like there was anything that was overly obnoxious or unrealistic or. Um, that insane it was just something that i was like really okay we're we're about 25 minutes past when the movie should have ended um so it was just, oh wow yeah. so it, in, in the context of like they kind of wrapped up the story and it was just epilogging forever or in that you got it and you felt like it was time for the the yeah. pendulum to swing the other way exactly exactly i felt like i got mm. what they were trying to do and they there was just scenes should have been shorter probably overall but towards the end and especially the final the final final battle sequence which 
Um, I know that's what you're building up to for the entire film, but it just it it felt way longer than it needed to be. And Got it. Even the preparation for that felt like they uh, they spent a little bit too much time on that. So it just felt too long to me. And also, I I felt like there was there was some great humor in it, and I appreciated that. But you've got Chris Pratt, which is one of the major, for me, one of the major selling points of going to see that because I'm, you know, he's like number two on my, my list of my, my top favorite guys I'd love to date. Um, <laughs> it's right, getting uncomfortable, Emma. It's getting uncomfortable. <laughs> just like to put it all out there, you know. So. <laughs> Things ever don't work out with him and Anna Ferris. Well, I'm here. I'm here for yeah, him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, He's going to have got, a fallback plan. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. I'll be his backup. Um, he's my backup if uh, things don't work out with Jason Siegel. So Perfect. Everybody's <laughs> on the same page. Exactly. Yeah. Poor Anna Ferris. <laughs> um, but he's got such a great form of humor. He's just hysterical. I mean, he was amazing in Guardians. And so much of that is his just his natural tone of comedy and I would have loved to have seen more of that from him in in this film and I think had that been in there it wouldn't have seemed as long or like maybe they should have wrapped it up already it was just it was missing something in regards to that and the balance was kind of off for me between the humor and the length of the film did it did the film take itself super seriously or was it kind of like wink wink we're having a western party um I think it was probably you know comfortably in the middle it didn't feel like it was trying to be like overly like western in your face you know it wasn't right but it wasn't too serious either so I I think that blend of it was was good well okay so usually this question it is kind of like it's almost like a throwout question but I think in this on this one I'm really curious best performance I mean it, it has a pretty magical cast it really does it really does. I mean, you have to give it to Denzel Washington, I think. Um, he's nice. the lead in this, and he's just fantastic. And, I mean, everyone, you know, swinging their guns around and, you know, doing all of those typical Western action sequences. Um, everyone was really great. And the only thing that I really had a problem with, and I not... I, Haley, ben, or Haley Bennett did a great job at, at acting in this, so I'm not saying she was a bad performance or, or anything. Um, the problem that I had, her character, Emma, uh, they tried to make a strong female lead, which, you know, I'm all about strong female leads. I'm all about, you know, uh, uh, films, you know, creating role models and female role models. But um, my problem was that throughout the entire film she's always in like low-cut dresses and she's right. the only woman in the town that's dressed like that aside from like the ladies in the you know the the ladies of the evening <laughs> that are around so um <laughs> so i had issues with them trying to create a strong character but then also completely objectifying her right um, every cliche is still present and accounted for exactly I look mean, at you you're reading a book good job lady now wear that dress yeah exactly, yeah exactly exactly yeah. and, and i get that you still want her to you know be sexy because she's the female lead but i just i felt like that was that was handled poorly mm. um but uh, she did a great job as well. But yeah, that's my my main complaint with it. Aside from it being about twenty five minutes too long, it was it was still a fun film, and of course had a great cast. All right, so obviously very little Georgia recognition factor. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, uh, what are we giving this film? I'm gonna give it a at. 
Ooh, just an at. Just an at. Yeah, you know, it's been a while since you've given it a quarter score or a half a score, so that's very bold. Just whole number at. So not yeah. uh, not an ex- not a uh, huge huge endorsement. Yeah, I think I went in with uh, just really high expectations for it. You know, I saw the trailer earlier this year and was super yeah. excited for it. It was beautifully shot. It has such a stellar cast. Um, yeah, and you see that many amazing actors in a film, you have ridiculously high expectations for it. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think that was probably my problem going in expecting it to be, you know, a lot better than than it was. I mean, it was still it was still fun. I was still entertained, but it just didn't live up to to my expectations. What is your favorite western of I'll say like the last fifteen years? Oh my gosh! You know, it's not a genre that I really, um, I really follow. Right. But that being said, let me think about this. Um, I liked Maverick. Oh, that's a yeah. that's a ringer answer with uh, Mel Gibson answer. and uh, yeah, no, Jerry I don't Foster. think that's a weird answer. I think I think that's I, I that came on cable or something quasi recently, and I was like, man, I forgot how much I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I really um, liked it. I don't. I haven't seen it, and oh my god, it's probably been about ten or fifteen years since I've seen it. Yeah. But I I just remember when I did see it. I watched it multiple times. I, I really liked it. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd have to go with that one, I guess. I can't even... The other ones, it's just it just doesn't really do it for me. That genre doesn't really... Well, I can't. And you know, it might be outside of the 15-year realm, but the the Tombstone with Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer, that's, uh, that's a pretty good one. That is a pretty good one. From yeah. the Wayback Machine. And Unforgiven, of course, with Clint Eastwood was another good one. Like, I think that I, that movie gets a lot of credit for kind of bringing the genre back for another yeah. pass for a second. So, no, I, I think uh, uh, I was I was excited for this. I mean, Chris Pratt, that guy is just like, it's difficult to dislike him. You can't. Yeah. He's yeah. Just, so. You love him in everything. <laughs> so, I got one more question for you, and maybe this is awkward, but uh, it, Denzel Washington is his is 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 his blackness ever a story point? No. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not. Curious. And I kind of wondered if it would be, you know, for that that time period and for um, you know, for that kind of subject matter, but it was never something that was brought up at all. No, I actually I actually kind of like that. It's yeah. just just let the let the actor that's really good take the role. So that's cool. I was just curious. I remember the other really fantastic western film uh, with Will Smith called The Wild Wild West. Ah, uh, yes. I you know, do that, remember that one. <laughs> that winning film. Uh, yeah, I, I remember wondering if that was going to be an issue in that too. So, you know, I was uh, very, very, uh, you know, what a good thing to talk about given the political climate. Right. Is this blackness an issue in uh, in a Western film? <laughs> yeah, all right. So where do we go from here? Uh well, that's that's actually all I had for this week, aside from our teases. Um, of course, we mm, have that you teased the teases for magically. The teases. By the exactly. way, yeah, um, we do have a number of films coming out this this Friday. Um, uh, what all do we got? We've got Masterminds, Deep Horizon. Um, yeah, so that's all coming out this Friday. <laughs> Masterminds um, is one that I'm actually optimistic for the trailers have amused me greatly 
that's a great cast. Um, yeah. That's a really great cast. I haven't seen any of those. We're not going to have a, a film review for, for next week. We will have several for the following week. Nice. Um, but that will be okay because what we will have next week is the Walking Dead press room. So Ooh. we'll have audio from... Uh, the cast and uh, creators of The Walking Dead about the upcoming season with a little bit of insight into things. No no spoilers because AMC was very present and they don't let that happen. But Just uh, the three suits on every neck of every cast member yeah. just so nobody would mess it up. I can't wait to, uh, to talk with the cast uh, next month about what it was like uh, during this whole, you know, break between seasons, uh, as far as them trying to keep things, you know, under wraps and and not say the wrong thing. And, I would love to know, like, how exhausting that is. Yeah, you I know? mean, I can't even imagine. Like, I've yeah. I've seen a couple of the cast members here in Atlanta, and I'm like, oh, so you're still in Atlanta? That's good to know, you know. And just even stuff like that, like you seeing people <laughs> out and about and being like. Oh, well, you're still in Atlanta, so I guess that means you're still alive unless AMC is paying you to, you know, <laughs> stay in Atlanta and chill out until the show starts back. Right, right. There's just probably a certain moment where it's like, listen, I just needed to eat some food. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't exactly. hide in my room anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we will know more about uh, Walking Dead as it comes back. Yep, yep. We're only a few weeks out from the the season premiere, and I know there's going to be some uh, some parties around Atlanta for fans that want to get together and watch the premiere. I know they're going to be doing one at Battle and Brew up in Sandy Springs, but yep. um, hopefully there will be some more news of of ones in town as well. I think uh, Diesel always does one, uh, but there'll probably be a, a few more popping up that we'll keep you guys posted about. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah, the uh, Atlanta Movie Tours is down with that one up there in Sandy Springs, so hopefully that'll be a good event. But yeah, I, uh, I, uh, yeah there's typically not a shortage of places to watch that show. Yep, yep. Keep it keep it all in good company. So. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Emma, as ever, it's a pleasure. You too. You too. Enjoy LA. I expect lots of lots of awesome LA stories for, for next week. <laughs> yes. Well, I will Steve Martin the hell out of my visit once I return. <laughs> that I was love a pun. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Atlas Podcast. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt. Uh, my name is Shekai Mickelson with Atlanta Movie Tours. And uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>